G'day, my name is Ishan, and welcome to my economics podcast series. In this episode, I'll discuss global food insecurity, which is a global crisis that needs understanding and systematic tackling. Food security is not just about eliminating hunger by consuming enough calories, but also about intake of adequate nutrition. This means taking in macronutrients like carbohydrates, fats and proteins, as well as micronutrients, which are vitamins and minerals. Such diets are far out of reach for people living on less than $1.90 per day, which aid officials define as the threshold for extreme poverty. If you are living in poverty, you might have enough to purchase rice for the day, but it's nowhere near enough for you to purchase a meal that provides all the nutrients necessary to meet your dietary needs. While roughly 690 million people are undernourished globally, but more than 3 billion can't access the cheapest healthy diets. Additionally, obesity is the growing concern in low and high income countries alike, as families turn to cheap foods that are high in fat, salt and sugar. In recent trends, and if these recent trends continue, the zero hunger target of the Sustainable Development Goals will not be achieved by 2030. Even in developed and rich countries like Australia, certain groups experience food insecurity at a higher rate than the general population. These groups include indigenous people, unemployed people, single-parent households, low-income earners, rental households, and also young people. Other people who are also susceptible to food insecurity include some culturally and linguistically diverse, they're called clad groups. These include refugees, people who do not have access to private or even public transport, people who misuse alcohol and tobacco, and people who are disabled, unwell or frail. So, you see, there is food insecurity whenever the availability of nutritionally adequate and safe foods or the ability to acquire acceptable food in socially acceptable ways is limited or is uncertain. Now, there are three key components of food according to WHO. The first one is food access. This is the capacity to acquire and consume a nutritious diet, including the ability to buy and transport food. It also includes home storage, preparation and cooking facilities, knowledge and skills to make appropriate choices, and time and mobility to shop for and prepare food. The next is food availability. The supply of food within a community affecting food security of individuals, households, or an entire population. Specifically, what's included here is the location of food outlets, the availability of food within these outlets and stores, the price at which the food is sold, the quality, and also the variety of food available. And the last one is, of course, the food use. 
which means origin includes the appropriate use of food based on knowledge of basic nutrition and care. Also, there are three different levels of food security. The top one is obviously the, the most secure level, where there is no problem, really. But the, two, the other two are the more concerning ones. The second one is uh, the level that is called insecure but without hunger. So this is a level where there may be anxiety or uncertainty about access to food or inappropriate use of food. So that could be uh, poor nutritional quality, but there is regular consumption of food. The last one is the level that's called insecure with extreme hunger. Here, meals are often missed or they are simply inadequate. So what causes this food insecurity? Hunger. Hunger is one of the major causes. Hunger is the distress associated with lack of food. Hunger is strongly interconnected with poverty and it involves interactions among an array of social, political, demographic and societal factors. People living in poverty frequently face household food insecurity. They use inappropriate care practices and live in unsafe environments that have low access to quality water, sanitation and hygiene, and also inadequate access of or you know, availability to health services and education. All of these contribute to hunger. Conflict is another issue as well. Conflict is also a key driver of severe food crisis, including famine, a fact officially recognized by the UN Security Council. Hunger and undernutrition are much worse when conflicts are prolonged and institutions are weak. The number of conflicts around the world is on the rise, some worsened by climate-related shocks as well. People and organizations working to combat hunger must take conflict-sensitive approaches much more than they have been in the past. The other problem is drought and other weather-related events. So weather-related events in parts uh, are associated with climate change. These also have impacted food availability in many countries and they have also contributed to the rise in food insecurity. Economic downturns in countries dependent on oil and primary and other primary commodity export revenues have also been affected. So this has uh, basically affected not just the availability but also decreased people's uh, availability to food access. Droughts as well. Many developing countries are prone to drought, reducing the amount of food available. Climate change and global warmings are also worsening the situation. Population size is another issue. High population growth across the developing world means there are more mouths to feed, but also smaller farm sizes to produce food. High population pressure is also causing increased deforestation and natural resource degradation. Another issue is not having enough money. Many people living in poverty simply do not have enough money to buy food due to factors like having children at a younger age, HIV, natural disasters, and also lack of opportunities for income.
Biofuel production is also an area of concern. As more biofuels are produced from food crops, important staples like maize, corn, that is rice and wheat, they're becoming more expensive. Low productivity is also a contributing factor. Sometimes the land can produce more food with better practices, but at times farmers struggle to grow more food and market their produce due to lack of skills and education. In some parts, governments also often invest very little money in improving the country's agricultural productivity. The COVID situation has also made matters worse. In 2019, an estimated 135 million people faced life-threatening food insecurity. According to the World Food Programme, that is WFP, the UN Food Assistance Agency, uh, the number is projected to nearly double due to the coronavirus pandemic, with food emergencies uh, afflicting countries that have not required interventions in the past. At the same time, the pandemic has mobilized international institutions, governments and aid organizations to take action. The coronavirus has laid bay-widening gaps in food access and affordability, two areas where experts are focusing their efforts to make food systems more resilient. Pandemic restrictions have made it even more difficult to access food. We are not saying the restrictions are unnecessary. They are necessary in lots part of the world and a lot of places, but they have. They have contributed to uh, severity of the problem. Uh, the economic downturns around the globe could mean long-lasting inability to afford food for hundreds of millions of people. The hunger crisis will have dramatic implications in many areas. It threatens to unravel decades of progress in global health, poor diets, and other in the poor diets, you know, as well. All the progress made in uh, uplifting people, giving them better diets, it's all going back because of the, the virus. In fact, poor diets are the leading contributor to the world's disease burden, including childhood conditions such as stunting. So stunting is basically where uh, children's height does not grow as it should according to their age, with their age, and other chronic illnesses that are caused by uh, obesity as well. Hunger, both acute hunger and chronic hunger, can also impede children's education and career prospects. In extreme situations, in extreme cases, it can roil the political landscape. Surging food prices, uh, you know, they have helped fuel recent protests in uh, Lebanon. Uh, shortages have also led to demonstrations in uh, Chile earlier, earlier this year. Many without access to food flee home in search of it. The World Food Programme also estimates that for every 1% increase in hunger, there is a 2% increase in migration. There are, let's, let's understand one part though. There is more than enough food produced in the world to feed everyone on the planet. The issue is that of distribution, access, and what people do with the distribution, what people do with the access, who gets the access, who is the food distributed to, for what quality, for what price. We have seen that, I've said before, 690 million people world, worldwide are going to bed hungry each night, although there is enough food produced to feed everyone. Small farmers, herders, fishermen produce about 70% of the global food supply. Yet, they are 
especially vulnerable to food insecurity. They are also vulnerable to poverty and hunger, especially with the, the small farmers, herders and fishermen in the rural populations, in the rural areas. As said before, you know, conflict, again, it keeps coming to my mind. Conflict is another, another major driver of hunger. The UN estimates that 122 million out of the 144 million stunted children live in countries affected by conflict. An estimated 14 million children under the age of five worldwide suffer from severe acute malnourishment. They suffer from malnutrition as well. This, is, this, is also, this also causes severe wasting. So wasting is um, not having enough weight to your height. And yet only 25% of severely malnourished children have access to life-saving treatment. Just 25%. But all hope is not lost. And several NGOs and not-for-profits uh, organizations are working towards lessening the issue of food insecurity at a global as well as national level. At the country level, the World Bank Group is working with governments and international partners to closely monitor domestic food and agricultural supply chains, track how the loss of uh, employment and income is impacting people's ability to buy food and ensure that food systems continue to function despite the COVID-19 challenges. The International Development Association, which is a part of uh, the World Food Programme and World Bank, IDA, has provided $5.3 billion in new commitments between April and September 2020 for food security. This has been through a combination of short-term COVID-19 responses and investments to address the longer-term drivers of food insecurity. Take India, for instance. In India, women's self-help self groups, supported under the National Rural Livelihoods Mission that is co-financed by the World Bank, has mobilized to meet shortages in masks and sanitizers. They have run community kitchens and restored fresh food supplies. They have provided food and support to vulnerable and high-risk families as well, and also provided financial services in rural areas. Uh, they have also decimated COVID-19 advisories among rural communities. So uh, these self-help groups are pretty, uh, they are pretty active and they have been very helpful in, in these testing times. These self-help groups have, built over, uh, have been built over a period of 15 years to tap the skills of about 62 million women across India. Another organization helping out is uh, USAID. So that has also funded a lot of projects focusing on four major areas. The first area that USAID is focusing on in the situation and towards uh, global food insecurity is improving agriculture to boost incomes. The extreme poor often rely on farming for their livelihoods. However, many smallholder farmers live far from markets where they can make a profit selling their crops. They face challenges like lack of access to credit, resources and skills needed to improve their harvest. To ensure farmers are connected to economic opportunities through agriculture, USAID works with their partners from private sector to universities and civil society organizations to help these smallholders. Uh, for example, in Kenya, smallholder farmers who previously couldn't complete or sorry, couldn't compete with larger growers have boosted their crop production, minimized post-harvest losses, and also connected to the markets with skills gained from USAID. 
Some are even selling their surplus crops back to the UN World Food Program to help feed other communities in drought-prone areas. The second area that USAID is focusing is teaching shared responsibility for health and nutrition. See, educating people on proper nutrition, sanitation, and hygiene so they stay healthy is crucial to addressing food insecurity. For example, lack of safe drinking water and poor sanitation and hygiene can lead to waterborne diseases and even chronic intestinal infections, robbing children of their potential and keeping farmers from tending to their fields. Health and nutrition efforts take root when people adopt the right behaviors, such as washing their hands before preparing food. Trainings can empower all household members to share in these responsibilities. In some communities, this has changed the social dynamics in a family, making the distribution of household duties more equitable between men and women. For example, in Zimbabwe, a few group of forward-thinking men now collect water for the family. Traditionally, it was a woman's role. They have constructed toilets and hand-washing stations. They are training others on proper hand-washing and the need to use soap or ash in addition to water. The third area is empowering women in agriculture. Likewise in Uganda, where men typically raise livestock and keep the sales, women are challenging traditional gender roles by learning goat herding skills and generating incomes themselves. Empowering women to start businesses can also help ensure their families earn enough money to put food on the table. In Haiti, female were farmers who were once chronically food insecure can now feed their families, expand their businesses and save for their children's futures. In Senegal, rural women are getting the tools they need with USAID's help to grow, share and sell more nutritious food for better health and extra profit. And the last area USAID is focusing on, the fourth one, is managing natural resources and preparing for disasters. For communities that rely on natural resources for their income, learning about sustainable resource management is vital. Ease of poor management, such as overgrazing by livestock, can degrade farmland, making it difficult for farmers to learn a living. USAID also educates communities on the impacts of natural disasters and how to prepare for them. In Malawi and Ethiopia, they equip farmers and pastoralists with tools and opportunities that help their communities build resilience so they can better withstand crises such as droughts. Helping these vulnerable people build resilience to crisis is vital to addressing poverty and hunger. In fact, we too can help towards the minimization of food insecurity around us by investigating and ensuring if there are any services in the local community that can provide parents with food budgeting advice and or offer food purchasing and preparation classes. In some localities and community kitchens, these types of educational opportunities along with facilities to communally prepare and share meals can also be encouraged. Restaurants sending food parcels or meals directly to clients are staff confident about their knowledge of nutrition. If not, they could be. Uh, we could help them with this part as well. And we could question whether professional development opportunities are involved involving nutritional education. This can be at corporate level too. Schools, universities, childcare, offices, NGOs, leisure groups, special interest groups, sports clubs, gyms, all of them 
can ensure that their clients are provided with information about healthy eating and also ensure this information is presented in a way that is accessible. You know, the accessibility can be in uh, through language. It could be simple plain English or a local language as well. Uh, if you run a business, ask you know, ask yourself if is it if it is possible for your service to subsidize the home delivery of groceries for clients who have difficulties with transport. Check if there is another service in the community that can provide clients with this type of support. Check which supermarkets or other shops in the local area are providing free home delivery for their customers. Talk to the businesses. Okay, talking to the businesses to assist clients is helpful. So these businesses can actually assist the clients to also obtain as a very important point which, help to, which helps towards uh, food security and that is refrigeration appliances. Check if there are other services in the community that can provide clients with this type of support. Refrigeration services help to conserve food. Uh, it lasts longer and in a way it becomes more accessible at a better quality as well. Community kitchens could also have refrigeration appliances. In fact, community kitchens can also organize buy-in-bulk programs or buy-in-bulk services for multiple families. This will actually allow the families to share the cost of buying in bulk. A community kitchen in the local community can provide this type of service as well. Even community gardens, breakfast clubs or other appropriate services or resources within the local community can help with the cause and we could help provide the vulnerable with information about these services and resources physically and not just through WhatsApp forwards or Facebook posts. In most poor food insecure countries, the two greatest potential resources are the people and the productivity of the land and water. To defeat chronic hunger and poverty, investments will have to be made in both people and productivity. Investing in people will need to come in the form of education, clean water, sanitation, and also through health and social services, and in some cases, direct food and nutrition support. In rural areas, such expenditures are essential if the corresponding investments in agriculture and its productive subsectors are, are to pay off. Those people who argue that people-oriented development is expensive uh, should remember that leaving people hungry is also expensive in terms of economic growth foregone. Reducing food insecurity has not only a humanitarian justification, and for me it is the most important justification, okay, but it doesn't have just uh, a humanitarian justification, but also a strong economic rationale. The economic cost of hunger and malnutrition as reflected in lost productivity, illness and death is extremely high. Undernourishment significantly lowers physical ability, cognitive development and learning achievement, resulting in lower productivity. It not only blights the lives of individuals and families, but also reduces the return on investment in social and economic progress. Let us work together and end food insecurity around the world. Share your ideas on this topic or any cases of successful assistance towards food security. Also, subscribe to my podcast channel to receive notifications of the next episode or simply add this episode to your podcast playlist. Thank you and see you in the next episode.